FM Talk on CFRU 93.3 FM. Welcome to another edition of Food Farm Talk where we celebrate food and honor those who champion the cause of food in society. Hello, good morning. It is another Thursday and welcome to Food Farm Talk on CFRU 93.3 FM. I am your regular host, Abdurrahim Abdullahi. And as usual, I'm here to bring you exciting discussions about food and farming, a thing that binds everybody together. Today, I have with me a guest who many of you here in Ontario may know already but it is for his work in the farming industry especially in the ecological farming industry that has made his farm a model in the province we were privileged to have the opportunity to chat with this wonderful person by name of Brent Preston of the new farm food farm talk what we do we try to get hold of the people when we can we're able to have a chat with Brent Preston about the motivations that drove him into organic farming and some of the challenges they have been facing over the years of farming and just around general issues surrounding climate change and uh, food security and ecological farming, different farming models. So that being said, let's go straight and listen to the conversation with Brent Princeton of the new farm. But just a spoiler alert, it was recorded in a very noisy background, but the information is very valuable and thank you for joining us. Without wasting so much time, I would rather give Brent the opportunity to introduce himself. Well, I'm a a farmer. My wife, Gillian, and I own and operate the new farm, which is a certified organic vegetable farm uh, in the Collingwood area of southern Ontario. Uh, We grow uh, organic vegetables, mostly cut salads, uh, primarily for restaurant customers. So we we have a wholesale farm business. Uh, we, We do some packaging for retail. Uh, but most of our products get sold directly to restaurants in southern Ontario. Um, but I, I, I come from a non-farm background. I grew up in Toronto. Uh, my w- wife grew up on a farm in Vermont, but we were we had uh, you know fairly long careers uh, working in the city in sort of quote unquote normal occupations. And about 15 years ago, we we bought a farm and moved out of the city and have been farming ever since. So that was going to be my next question. How did your path cycle all the way into farming? It's it, 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 it was, it's sort of a hard question to answer because we didn't come into farming with a really strong plan. Um, we came to farming with a with a a strong feeling that uh, things weren't going in the right direction uh, in a lot of different areas of of the world. Uh, Climate change was a big motivation. We felt like 15 years ago we needed to do something concrete to address climate change. But we looked around at all the big problems, climate change, environmental degradation, uh, human health and chronic disease, isolation and loneliness, and we, we thought that food was sort of at the root of all of these problems and that um, by working uh, in food that we could sort of play a small part in addressing a lot of these problems. So we came to farming with a, with a very uh, deliberately political out- outlook that what, what we were doing had a political purpose, but we also wanted to have a successful business to make money to be able to support our family. So we've tried to merge those two things, uh, this political imperative, political and ecological imperative with the financial imperative of creating a, a model that works financially. That's quite interesting, and like, I wanted to 
really understand what were your motives that drove you into agriculture and into farming. And one thing I realized that like most people who come from a farming background, but it's very rare for me to like speak to someone that's from my experience so far coming into farming with that idea that we need to do something because of climate change. Mm-hmm. Especially at a time when we have climate denials and a lot of issues around whether climate is changing and whether the farm community has a role to play. So just to push you a little bit further in trying to understand at what point like, did you actually see that this climate was an issue and farming could be the solution? Well, I think I've, I've been personally convinced that climate is sort of the defining problem of our age for a long, long time. I, I studied geography in university, so in the, in the early 1990s, when I was in university, um, all, everyone involved in climatology and geography and earth sciences and all of these different disciplines we're already completely focused on the issue of climate change. I mean, it's been a long, long time that we've known that this is a really big problem. So that, that's something that's been with me since I was a teenager. Um, but the idea that farming, first of all, is a big part of the problem, but could also be a really important part of the solution, that's something I didn't really figure out until we actually moved to the farm and started researching and talking to talking to other farmers and thinking about the problem from that perspective. Um, but every, you know, we've been farming for almost 15 years, and every year I become more convinced of the centrality of agriculture to the problem and the potential of agriculture to be part of the solution. Absolutely. I, I will cycle back to the potential of agriculture being part of the solution. Yeah. But b- before that, I would be... I would like you to tell us a little bit about your farm. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you grow? How is the farm structured? Like, in terms of the actual operation of your farm. Sure. And we can circle back into the specific practices in your farm that differs from what sure. you normally see. So, we, we, ha- we have a 100-acre farm, but we're growing vegetables on about 20 acres. Yes, to Yeah. They cut in a bit. Where is the farm located? Oh, sorry. The farm is located near uh, the village of Cremor, Ontario. So it's about an uh, hour and a half drive northwest of Toronto okay. uh, in the Georgian Bay area. Uh, it's a really beautiful, beautiful landscape that we farm in. Most most of the, uh, our, our area is a mixture of forest and farmland, and most of the farmland is producing commodity crops, uh, like most farmland in North America, corn, wheat, soy, canola. Um, but we, we grow vegetables on a small scale, uh, almost entirely by hand. We're not, we're, we're not very mechanized at all. We have one small tractor. Uh, so we do as much as possible as we, as we can by hand, uh, both because it reduces our fossil fuel use and also because it results in a higher quality product. Uh, and our main, our main product on the farm is cut salads. We grow cut, washed, ready-to-eat salads for the restaurant industry and some for retail. Uh, and that's a, a very high-value um, crop. So our focus on sustainability from the beginning included financial sustainability. So we focused on um, 
products on our farm that, that uh, grow well in our micro, microclimate. We're, we're in a cold, windy spot for southern Ontario, so it's good for leafy green production. Uh, and we have, there's a, you know, we have a five or six million people within a two-hour drive of our farm, so a really big market. Big market. Uh, and so we, we don't, we sell exclusively within that local market. We don't need to, to, uh, to send our product anywhere farther than that. That brings me to a very important point. Like, I, I wouldn't say I'm an advocate for like place-specific food systems, but just being something I've always been a bit passionate about, like having food systems that are very local, mm-hmm. and as I guess having like vertical food systems where we have to export so much and yeah, yeah, yeah. bring in so, like a lot of food. But just trying to get back to the issue of we needing a solution. You being motivated by the fact that climate change mm-hmm. is a big problem of our generation. Yeah. Compounded by the fact that farming is a big part of the problem. And also farming is a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Which means that when you enter into farming, you enter with a different mindset as compared to like what many other people would do. So I'm just trying to understand what are the different type of practices like what do you do that other farmers don't do well we focus on on growing food that people eat uh, rather than growing uh, you know uh, commodities that will be highly processed or will be turned into animals or will be um, turned into fuel you know uh, before they can be eventually consumed by humans so we want to shorten that food chain in terms of what we grow you can eat right out of the field um, so we try to grow really healthy food that people can eat. We, tr- we, um, we work with very su- short supply chains so that we can capture as much of the end, co- end price of that product that we're growing as possible. So we're not selling a commodity to a local elevator that then sells it to a broker that then sells it to an exporter then that sells it to a processor in another country um, where everyone's taking a little piece of that of that um, pie. We, we sell to a distributor, we sell to a restaurant. End of story. Um, and then in terms of our, our production practices, uh, everything we do revolves around trying to build soil health and increase soil organic matter. So we are trans... We're, we're, um, we are tr- uh, transitioning right now to minimal till veg- vegetable production, so we're, we're using all kinds of different techniques to reduce tillage in our field. We have a really aggressive cover cropping regime, so we're growing cover crops in between rotations of vegetables. Uh, and this year we've introduced cattle onto the farm so that we can integrate grazing animals into our vegetable production system so they, they can uh, manage... We're now trying to manage our cover crops with animals rather than with machinery. That's really interesting, and I've always fascinated when I see people trying to do things differently, especially at a time when there's a lot of controversies around climate change. Mm-hmm. But that being said, one thing I've picked out of what you just mentioned is the fact that your farm is so embedded in your community. And we've heard time and time again the importance of community to the farming like, community in mm-hmm. general. So I just want you to touch on two things with regards to community. How, what has been the benefits of you, like as a farmer, in terms of being embedded with other farmers who share the same values with you? 
and what has been the benefits of you as a farmer being embedded in the community yourself? So there's a, a couple of different things. The Building community has been a stated, deliberate goal of our farm from the beginning. It's something that we wanted to do and we put effort and time and money into. Um, the the, um, the benefit of that for us has been that we have developed a, a community of customers who share our values. There are people in all different parts of the food system who are concerned about climate change, concerned about human health, want to have a really high-quality local product. So distributors, chefs, restaurateurs, retailers, consumers. Um, and when, when, when you have customers that are buying from you, they're, they're buying more than the product from us. They're also buying a set of shared values. And that leads to really, really strong customer loyalty. So we have chefs who have been buying from us from the day we started producing, you know? And, and, and there, we, we, we have trouble with this, this spring, for example, is a very cold, wet spring in southern Ontario. Our first harvest was at least two weeks delayed. Our, our customers don't go off and start buying salad greens from California in that situation. They wait. You know, they're willing to be understanding because to know the connection because of the connection. Created. Right, right. And I think that um, the, then we're also embedded in a community of farmers through the Ecological Farmers Association and other organizations that we're part of um, where the, we all understand that we, by supporting each other, we make the whole sector stronger. Um, we, the kind of farming that we do, small scale for the local market, minimal input, um, that doesn't attract a lot of attention from research institutions, from government. We don't get a lot of support from outside the sector, so we have to rely on each other to share knowledge, to share information, to share best practice. So I think that benefits the whole ecological farming sector, that, that, that community of farmers that we're part of. So uh, as a farm, can you highlight one or two benefits you derive from the fact that like, being a part of this ecological farmers of Ontario? Uh, well, one really tangible benefit is we've been able to be part of the uh, farmer-led research project that, that you know about, that uh, the Ecological Farmers Association has been running for a few years. So we have an agronomist on staff who helps us design scientifically rigorous, replicable scientific trials on our farms that we ourselves um, initiate. It's, inf- it's research that will directly benefit our farm, things that we need to know. So we've been, we're in the second year of a trial of using silage tarps and uh, landscape fabric and other materials to uh, replace tillage in between successions of, uh, of our salad greens. Um, that's been, we've seen incredible results from that. And having that, having that organization to help us with the, the rigor and, and uh, scientific basis of that trial has been, has been, has been incredibly helpful. Um, and just the, the sense of community. I mean, farming can be a really isolating occupation. Yeah. Um, you can sometimes lose sight. You know, when you're struggling with just the day-to-day operations in your farm, you can lose sight of the f- fact that you're part of a larger movement around Shit. climate change and everything else. And so having that community of, of farmers in the EFAO, uh, it's, it's, it's really, really important for our, for our mental health. Absolutely. I, like I said, I come from a farming background, so I do appreciate some of the stress that farmers go through mm-hmm. in terms of the challenges they go through. And having a community where you can fall back and know that 
I, like I can get help from this place is always important. Yeah. And one thing I picked up from your earlier answer was the fact that you are family in a place that is being surrounded by say, people who don't, who might not share your mm-hmm. values. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's worked out by the fact that you've been able to get a community through the ecological farmers and other organizations. But how does it feel like being an ecological farmer or an organic farmer in the midst of people who have different values? Well, I'm not sure if people have different values, but they have different um, approaches to farming and they have different understanding of, of, of you know, the, the best way to, to, uh, to make a living on a farm. But to be honest, the, f- the farming community in my geographic community has really been diminished over the last 15 years that I've been there. There aren't that many farmers left, you know? The, the, um, in our area, almost all the farms are owned by people who aren't farming. They're owned by non-farmers. They're either weekenders who come up from the city or they're people who are living on a farm in our community but working in town or doing you know whatever job. So we don't have much of a farming community left in our area because now there's two or three really big operators that are farming thousands of acres. And, and it, it's, it's not like every 100-acre farm has a farm family on it anymore. So I think that community doesn't, the local farming community to some extent doesn't really exist anymore. It, it is absolutely something I can relate to because my master's thesis was based on the fact that like in Newfoundland there was a very sharp decline in people who are into agriculture mm-hmm. and in, in, in trying to do that I came into contact with the fact that it's a general problem in many parts of the world not even just in Canada the fact that the family communities are going down yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in, in, in so many ways there are other factors that might account for that but that being said I'm just wondering with the type of farming you do are there challenges that oh, you face yes. that are very peculiar <laughs> to that kind of <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well the, there's, there are challenges in, um, like I mentioned before that we don't have the kind of government or institutional support that um, we would like to have um, we don't you know our kind of farming by definition is low input so we don't have we don't even have the this kind of support that um, the input companies give to to a lot of farmers in terms of access to research and information, um, and and it's a you know it's a I think it's a challenge when there's a lot of people in the mainstream agriculture community who don't think that the kind of farming we do is real that it, they don't think that it's. Um, that it's economically viable. They don't think it's going to have an uh, an, uh, an impact on the overall food system. Um, you know, you can you can feel pretty marginal uh, doing the kind of farming that we're doing. So that that's that's a real challenge. But what what we've tried to do is strive to sh- to to illustrate that we have a model that works. You know, we we my wife and I both work full time on the farm. We have no other source of income. Um, uh, we have no debt. That's becoming rare. In it's becoming it's becoming <laughs> rare everywhere in North America, yeah. and I don't know any other farm families in our community where both spouses work full time. So on the how farm. did you pull that up? And we're doing it on we're doing it on twenty acres. Um, but the the value of what we're taking off those twenty acres is exponentially greater than if we were raising, you know, corn or soy or something like that. So we can we we've been able to capture a, a specific market, specific local market with a really high value product 
and been able to to to, to make an eco- economically viable business um, out of our farm, while at the same time doing all the things that we want to do in terms of climate, environment, and producing really healthy, nutrient dense food. That's really interesting. A very good answer. It leads me directly into my next question that has to do with public perceptions around agriculture. Mm-hmm. And you just even mentioned that in the, even the farm community, some people think those models are not viable. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I mean, with, uh, you know, in terms of what you do and your farming activities, which means that definitely it is viable if you do it right. Mm-hmm. So how do we... Uh, get the public to actually not say change their perceptions but how do we shift that public view I I think the public view is already shifting, I think we've seen a huge change in public perception in the 15 years that we've been farming Um, we now now have over 2,000 visitors a year come to our farm um, because that's part of our community building initiative and part of our our um, goal to to spread the word and spread information about this kind of agriculture uh, and everybody who comes to our farm is really receptive to these ideas i mean it's it's on one level it's just really intuitive right if you farm in a way that's that's um, enhancing the health of your soil increasing soil organic matter um, increasing biodiversity on the farm you're, you're going to be more productive and more profitable and you're going to have a, a better quality, better tasting product um, so I, th- I think the public is really receptive to this I think it's the, I think it's government and industry that's lagging behind the public um, on, on this issue and I think that uh, Canadians by and large they want a agricultural system that is that is diverse and profitable and um, ecologically sustainable, uh, and they're willing. We've seen direct evidence that they're willing to support it. People will pay extra for our products because of the way it's produced, um, and I, I think I think that's a, just a, a rapidly, rapidly um, increasing trend. It's 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 not going away anytime soon. Absolutely. Canadians are ready to support. So the institutions are lacking behind in terms of the support to support for this, for this, this kind, kind of agriculture. Kind of agriculture. The, the one example, we, st- we started selling um, a couple of years ago to a, a chain of restaurants in Toronto called IQ Foods. It's a fast, healthy lunchtime place. So you go in and get a box salad for lunch. Uh, and they they have on this this year they've started an initiative where the greens that we grow are much more expensive than the organic greens they can buy from California. Um, but they have put up information on their counter saying we're buying this product because it helps sequester carbon, because it's good for the environment, because it comes from our local community, and we suggest that you pay an extra fifty cents to cover that extra cost that it, that it takes to produce that food. And it's totally voluntary, and so far, 80% of their customers are paying the extra money for it. They don't have, they're already at the checkout counter. They don't have to pay, but 80% of them are willing to put down extra money to support the way that food is produced. That's interesting observation. And I'm just wondering, you mentioned the fact that it's more expensive to buy from you than to buy from an organic from California. Mm-hmm. Why that difference? Because, um, first of all, because it's... Uh, stuff from California comes from highly mechanized operations, so it's very, very big machinery, um, and our big, biggest input cost by far is labor. 
Um, it's also because the the um, the in some ways it's comparing apples and oranges they're both organic salad mixes but ours have a way more varieties different varieties it looks better it tastes better it's a it's a different product that we're producing um, so some of those varieties they don't you know they, they they you can't harvest them mechanically they're too delicate to harvest mechanically so we harvest everything by hand so the other reason is that we pay our agricultural workers full minimum wage, uh, full benefits, we provide housing. We have a much higher labor cost than they do in California where they don't have the same kind of protections where a big portion of the labor force is undocumented. Um, so there's a, there's a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, you know, we, we, in, in food we talk about externalizing costs and, and a lot of the time when we see a cheap product like a, a product from California, it's because a lot of the costs of that product have been in, externalized on the environment, on the climate, on agricultural work workers um, and we try to we try to uh, and on farmers themselves so one of the reasons our product costs more is because we insist on being paid fairly for it so we're not willing to accept a, a cost that isn't going to cover our cost of production and give us a reasonable return that's really great and I'm very happy that you've been able to explain that to me <laughs> trying, trying to get like the difference between that one thing that you've just mentioned that's it's really related to what I'm also interested in is the kind of value your type of farming has for the community in which you are embedded in. So you mentioned the fact that you, your workers get a food benefit. You, you depend so much on workers as a gift mm-hmm. to mach- machines. Are there other values apart from the fact that this, like what I've mentioned, and the fact that the high quality food? What are some of the values of, or the, the value, the importance of doing your kind of farming? Well, we have it, our our the kind of farming we do puts a lot of money into the local economy. So we, our our gross output on our um, per acre is about forty thousand dollars a year per acre. Um, gross output growing corn on the same land would produce an output of less than a thousand dollars per acre so we're, we're looking at a 40 times difference in how much value is coming off that land and go, flowing into the local community um, and then we also are able to leverage our network of chefs and customers and supporters in the community to raise money for good causes so we we hold a fundraiser every year on the farm where we invite the whole community we have chefs cooking we have bands playing um, and all the money goes to good food organizations like Community Food Centers Canada so we've raised over a million dollars in the last 10 years for Community Food Centers Canada that's and other good, good food organizations so I, th- I think that's I think that's a benefit you know if the, the more profitable viable vibrant farm operations we have um, the more people there are going to be in rural communities, the more money there's going to be in rural communities, the more economic opportunities. Um, we just we see this sort of small farm serving a local market model as something that's that benefits the whole local economy. That's great and like I said, it's something that's related to what I'm mostly interested in. How does the farming community support the rural communities in which they are mm-hmm. embedded in? And from what we are talking about, there's a lot of value in the kind of farming you do. Absolutely, like both from ecological and a social perspective, mm-hmm. and obviously economical as well. Because yeah, you can still make a living with that type of farming. 
So it's, it might be surprising for the fact that there's really not so much push from institutions to support this kind of the type of farming you do. So from your experience, I know you've mm-hmm. engaged with non-profits like the EFAO and other organizations, and you, you are more exposed to some of the environments out there. What, what can governments specifically and institutions more generally do to support this type of farming? Um, I think we could benefit from more research. So, you know, academic institutions could um, do more research on low-input agriculture. You know, we could um, have public institutions buying food from farms like ours, small local farms. We've seen it in other their jurisdictions. It's it's happening and working. I think that there's there's maybe an opportunity for for finding a way to value ecosystem services and, and biodiversity and things like that that we talked about in the symposium today that um, could be really beneficial. And, and I think just um, a lot of times we see government grants and incentives and subsidies flowing to really, really big operators. A little money goes a long way in the small farm community. And if some of those programs could be redirected to actively support the, the smaller um, ecological sector, it could have a really, really big impact. I think that's a very good message to the institutions out there, especially the government. That being said, uh, from our discussion, there's a lot of value in your type of farming, and since we are running out of time, I will want to have your last take on what kind of message do you have to people who are listening, like also to like the general public in terms of the kind of farming you do, and like what can people do? Well, I mean, I think there's a few things people can a few things people can do. Um, they they can support this kind of farming by buying the products, seeking out and buying them. They can support this kind of farming by pushing um, elected representatives to to um, support this kind of agriculture. But I think if we also need more people doing it, right? We yeah. there, there's a, a lot of unmet demand. You know, our farm has been growing rapidly, and we can't keep up with the demand for the kind of products we're growing. So we need more people to get into this kind of farming. Um, and and I think that the, the biggest lesson we learned from when we started was that when we started, we thought um, that our value our, our, our really strong focus on, on our environmental and social values was going to make it harder to make money to be profitable, but they've actually been the foundation of our financial success. That there's many people out there who share those values and want to support that kind of operation. So that this there's a false dichotomy um, between values and profitability, and to me they go completely hand in hand. That's a very good way to end. I really appreciate your time coming and taking time in your short visit to the university to chat with me about this. Kudos for all the good work you have been doing. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been a, a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you very much.